All right, we're going to jump into the message this morning. We're in week three of our overall series. If you haven't had a chance to be here yet, I want to invite you to, to take some time maybe over this week and you can go back online and watch kind of week one and two. Week one was kind of our intro of the series. Last week we talked about Jesus being over all sin and we talked about sin and the effects of it and, and what the remedy of it and all that stuff. So if you haven't had an opportunity to, to read the, or listen to those, I invite you to do that. But today we're going to be looking at something a little bit different, um, but we are going to be back in Colossians. We're going to kind of be looking at that. Our Colossians 1 has been kind of our text uh, verse or section of scripture for our series. And in Colossians 1, what Paul's really doing is he's writing to the church there. He's really kind of beginning to help them. They kind of were kind of falling into a little bit of, of heresy to an extent. And kind of really what they were doing is, is kind of taking other things that they were hearing and kind of elevating it up to a level where Jesus was. And, and Paul writes the letter for a couple of reasons. But one is, especially in Colossians 1, he wants to help them understand, look, it's Jesus, and he's central, and he's above it all. He calls him supreme. He calls him above all things, the first of creation, and all these things to help them to understand that the things that they were kind of piling on with Jesus were not what they needed to do. And so Paul is writing the letter for the reason to kind of correct them and to help them. And as we kind of looked at this series together, the first week we kind of talked about Jesus being overall and supreme and really what that means. And this morning we're going to kind of look at something a little bit different that Jesus is over in our lives and, and how to apply it and how to use it and how to actually allow it to, to really transform us. But the thing is, we talked about this not last week, but the first week, we kind of talked about this idea of the whole series and kind of the overarching kind of thing and thing that we want to focus in on. And it's this, it's in your notes, is that Jesus reigns over all and deserves to be first in my life. We really talked a lot about that the first week, how sometimes there's so many things that can come and kind of take that first place in our hearts. And sometimes they, they happen, you know, and we're not really aware of them to an extent. They kind of take place slowly and kind of just get there. And then all of a sudden we kind of realize, oh my goodness, what have I done? You know, other times we kind of do it on purpose. It kind of depends. But in all of these areas, as we understand who Jesus is, what he has done, all that he is doing, all these sort of things, we understand that, you know what? He deserves the first place. Not the second, not the third, but the first place. And a lot of times we can allow things to kind of come into our lives that are good things, but not the best thing. And we need to realize and always focus in on the fact that, you know what, Jesus is over it all. Jesus is over it all. And that's kind of what the whole series has been. We're going to be back in Colossians for just a, a, a verse that we actually read before, but we didn't focus in on. But we're going to actually focus in on it this morning to kind of be our text for this morning. So if you have your Bibles uh, or your phones, whatever you prefer, open them up or turn them on to Colossians 1. We're just actually going to look at one verse this morning in Colossians to kind of springboard us into what we're going to be focusing in on this morning. But again, if you have your Bibles, Colossians 1, verse number 22, and here's what Paul writes. He says, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you again, Father, we ask that, God, my words would cease and that yours would just flow. God, because my words, they're just not going to do much. But God, when your words come forth, it changes everything. And that's what we need and that's what we desire. And so, God, I pray that you would just use me in this moment to communicate the things that you desire to be shared and that your Holy Spirit would even now begin to prepare our hearts to understand and see what you desire to show us this morning. God, we know you have a great plan and a great thing. And God, we yield to your Holy Spirit and ask that you would just bring that forth. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Colossians 1.22, again, is kind of one of those verses that we've kind of sandwiched before. We talked about this verse last week when we talked about being reconciled with God and all the things that that means when it comes to sin and the sin problem and the remedy of sin. We kind of talked about that. But this morning, we're going to look at something maybe a little bit different in that particular verse that maybe you haven't seen or maybe you did see and kind of were like, I wonder why Paul did that or why, why he added that phrase because everything in Scripture was put there by God for a reason and a purpose. There's not a mistake in it. There's nothing in it that was an oops or just an afterthought. God's power and God's Holy Spirit spoke and was written down by these individuals. And so it's interesting here that in verse number 22, Paul writes this, this, this idea and he sandwiches this idea of reconciliation and what God has done and, and being made perfect and blameless before God with this idea of Christ being dead in his physical body. He specifically mentions this idea of the physical body of Christ. Now, he does that for a couple of reasons. One, because of some of the issues that the church there, in, uh, that were, they were dealing with. But I think there's something also bigger here that he wanted us and his readers to understand then and now. And that is that he puts this specific wording in there of physical body. But why? Why does he do that? The question is, why did he actually waste the ink? Why didn't he just say, well, and Christ died? Why did he just say physical body? I think what Paul is wanting us to see is something very interesting. And to see it, we need to go all the way back to the Old Testament. Something written by the prophet Isaiah 600 years or so, way before Jesus ever came on the scene, or this church was ever started, or Paul was around. And if we go back to Isaiah 54, we see something interesting. Isaiah 53, excuse me, not 54, 53, is a great section of scripture. And look what it says, and I think this is important because a lot of us have read this before and seen this. Sometimes we, we look at these sections of Scripture here in a couple of months when Christmas time comes around. But look what the Isaiah writes about the coming Messiah. He says, yet it was our weakness he carried. It was with our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment for God, a punishment for his own sins. But look at verse number five. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was, and I love this. I, I know that some translations have a slightly different wording here, but I really like this. He says, he was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. I really like that. You see, what I believe very strongly this morning is that one of the things that Jesus is over is sickness. And I believe that Jesus wants to make you healed and whole. And I think it's interesting here that Isaiah, 600 years before Jesus is even on the scene, talks about his physical body being beaten and whipped other translations say, by his stripes, we are healed. And 600 years later, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes to this church and he says, listen, listen, you need to understand something. It was his physical body. Yes, God was all God, but he was all man. And he died a physical death. But it's interesting here because as we go back to Isaiah, we see one of the reasons that happened was so that we as people could be made whole and healed. And I don't know if sometimes we live that way. I don't know if sometimes we look at the healing that Jesus has bought with the beating and the death of his body and we live in a way that says, you know what, that's available for me. I think sometimes I know in my own life when it comes to these things, I may look and go, well, you know, God will do it over here or God will do it over there or God will do it with this person or that person or in Africa, but not necessarily with me and in my life. And I think that God wants to challenge that type of thinking in our hearts and our lives this morning. I think he wants us to understand that there's something greater that, that not only does Jesus come and give us a spiritual healing, but also a physical healing and a mental healing is also available for you and for me. Look, it's in your notes. It's not only does Jesus provide that spiritual healing, which is our salvation, but because of his wounds on the cross, physical healing is available as well. 
You see, I believe something. I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when I read stories in the Bible about miraculous healings, I don't look at it and go, wow, what a story. Wow, I'm glad that happened then, but not today. No. I believe that God still heals. I believe he still has the power to heal. And I believe that we should come to him with expectant hearts, knowing that he has the power and the authority to heal it. And to do in our hearts and our lives what only he can do. Look at Psalms 103. I love this verse. Psalms 103. It says, let all that I am praise the Lord. Every part of me, every, every little bit of me, may I never forget the good things he does for me. And the psalmist here then begins to list a couple of them. He forgives all my sins. We talked about that last week. But look what he lists as number two. And heals all my diseases. Here's the deal. And we're going to talk about this in a little bit, a little bit more in depth later. But for some of us, when we read Psalms 103, 103 2 and 3, we are all on board with the first part of verse 3. He forgives my sins. But for some reason, we have this thought that, that the disease part, maybe not so much. And the bottom line is this. And what we're going to be focusing in on this morning is this. Is that Jesus is over all sickness. All sickness. All sickness. Not some... Not your little cold, but not cancer. Not your little, I'm a little depressed today, but, but not serious depression. No, no. I believe that God's word tells us, and I believe because I've experienced it in my own life and seen it in others, that God heals today. And that God desires to heal today. And that God has a plan to bring healing to the lives of his people and do it in a powerful way. Yes, I believe that God heals through doctors, and I'm thankful for it. I am. And if God chooses to heal that way, that's on him. That's his, that's his thing. That's, I'm, I'm great with it. But I also believe that God can do the miraculous. I believe that God can bring forth a miracle that the doctors and the nurses, as smart as they are and as wonderful as they are, cannot do. And I believe that he can do that. And I believe he's over it all. Everything. Every disease. Every issue. Every problem. He's over it all. And I want to look this morning. I want to kind of break down a story that maybe many of you heard before. And it's in Mark 5. And Mark 5 is a, it's a great, great story. And, and what we're going to do really for the rest of our service time is we're going to kind of break down this story together. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture. I'm going to share some things that kind of stand out to me. And then we're going to look at this. And then we're going to have a time of prayer at the end that I'm very excited about. So if, again, if you have your Bible, Mark 5, we're going to jump right into the story because uh, basically that's what happens in the story. So Mark 5, if you have your Bibles, will be there and also it'll be on the screen behind me. So we're going to start Mark 5, starting with verse number 21, and we're going to go through 23. It says, Jesus got in the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, or Jairus excuse me, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Now, now listen, okay? We've talked about this so many times, you're probably getting sick of me talking about it, okay? But I want you to stop for a second. Now, some of you, I know you've heard this story, you know, 455 times. But let's put some, let's put some meat on these bones. Okay? I know most of you. And you either have had children or do have children or you've got grandchildren or aunts or uncles. You, you, you have been around children. And I want you to stop for a second and imagine this moment. Your dad. And you hear that there's this man. His name is Jesus. And what's interesting to me is look who he is. He, he's the leader of the local synagogue. Listen, if you look through Mark and other Gospels, you know what you're going to find? You know who Jesus usually has some problems with? These guys. 
He's got a problem with these guys. These are the problems, you know, it's like, these, this is the button heads all the time. And you know what? I don't know. We don't know if, 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 Jair, if Jairus had some issues with Jesus. We don't know if he agreed with everything. All we know is that in this moment, his daughter is sick and is going to die. And at that moment, he didn't care. He went to Jesus. And it says that he falls down at his feet. And he pleads with him fervently. He has no hope. He is sitting there going... Jesus, if you don't do something, I got nothing. Can you imagine this moment? Can you imagine with the heart of a parent, what would be going through his heart and his mind in this moment? The, The intensity of his desire. The intensity of his plea. You see... The seriousness of his plea is evidenced at the sight of his posture. He doesn't run up to Jesus. Remember, he's the leader. He's probably got the robes on. He's probably respected in the community. He doesn't come up and say, excuse me, Jesus, do you know who I am? He gets down in the dirt. And says, Jesus, will you come? Will you please come? Will you come and heal my daughter? I love how verse number 23 ends. He says, please come, lay your hands on her, heal her so she can live. This isn't a little cold. This is life and death. This is intense. This is a moment where it's like, you know what, Jesus? I got nothing else. And if I got to get down in the dirt, I'll do it. I'll do it. He really had desperation on his mind and on his heart. And I'll just be honest with you, you know, sometimes we need a heart of desperation that causes us to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus. And I'll be, you know, because a lot of times, you know, it's like, you know, I'm good, I'm fine, I can handle it. But there are moments in our hearts and in our lives where, you know what? We just got to get on, on our knees and say, Jesus, you're all I got. And here's the deal. That may seem in this moment like, oh, that's not a good place to be. That is an amazing place to be. Because here's what I found, at least in my own life. I throw myself at the feet of a lot of stuff that can't do a thing for me. If you're going to throw yourself down at somebody's feet, it might as well be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who can do it all. And he does with a heart of desperation. So let's continue the story, Mark 5, 24. So Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. Okay, now listen, like maybe you, you've read this before, and you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. Okay, so this is, this is good news and bad news all in one, okay? So in this situation, he goes, Jesus is like, all right, let's go. Let's go heal your daughter. But of course, what happens? All the crowd just... And, and I don't know about you, but, but this, I always go to this place in my head, okay? And you're just going to forgive me because this is just where my head goes, okay? But it, it, how, uh, maybe you've seen this movie. If you haven't, I don't know. But I always go to the Princess Bride right here, okay? And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Others of you go watch the movie. But there is a moment where basically they are trying to get someplace. And there's the giant and, and, and then, you know, the other guy. Amigo Montoya. And, and he's like, excuse me, excuse me. I'm trying to get, and they're trying to hurry. And they're trying to get through. And eventually the giant just basically puts his hands up and says, everybody move. And everything just goes like that. But this moment is before that happens. Everybody's in the way. And I can just see Jairus say, say listen, get out of the way. I, I got to hurry. We're in a hurry here. And all of a sudden this delay begins to take place because everybody wants to see what's going on. What's happening here? What's going on? Now listen, Jesus is with him. Jesus is with him in this moment. But at the same time, because everybody starts crowding in, they can't get to where they need to be. Sometimes when it comes to the healings that you pray for and desire, there is going to be a delay. Listen, I would love to tell you, man, listen, come up to me after service. I'll pray for you because I'm 100, I'm, I'm 100 out of 100. Anytime somebody comes up and asks for prayer, I pray and God heals them just like that. But it doesn't always happen that way. 
You're going to see in a moment in this story, it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes there's a delay. But I want you to notice something here. And we're going to talk about it in just a little bit still. Jesus is still with him. Okay? Even though things didn't move as quickly as Jairus wanted, Jesus was still with him. We forget that sometimes. Because where was it just a verse before? A verse before, he's on his knees saying, Jesus, please come and heal. And then Jesus says, let's go. And they're headed that way. Even though there's a delay, even though the crowd begins to kind of crawl in and they can't get through, they don't have a giant who goes, everybody move. They're stuck. Jesus is still with him. And for some of us in our hurting, in our disease, in our, the areas of our hearts and our lives where we need that healing, and we'll sit there sometimes and say, God, why haven't you done this? Why haven't you healed? Sometimes we need to understand that God's plan is bigger than our plan. It's better than our plan. But we have something even greater than the healing. We have Jesus. We have him. But it's sometimes it's so hard. And I can guarantee you in that moment, that father was doing everything he could to get people out of the way. But there was still a delay. Now let's continue. Mark 5, starting with verse number 25. Now the story shifts a little bit. The main character, uh, other than Jesus, kind of moves slightly. And this is what it says. This is a woman in the crowd. So, so, so here we go. All these people are gathered in. And there happens to be this woman. We are never told her name, but she's in the crowd and she's been suffering for 12 years with constant bleeding. 12 years, constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal, listen, from many doctors and over the years she spent everything she had to pay them, but she got no better. In fact, she had only gotten worse. Now let's hold there for just a second before we continue on with the story because there's some important things here we need to realize, okay? It's interesting here that this woman had done everything that she knew how to do. She was not sitting back and going, oh, I'm not going to do anything. Oh, she, she's gone out. And it's interesting here that we see she suffered and she suffered not just from the disease and the issue that her body was having, she actually suffers from many doctors. She's suffering from the people that are supposed to help her. Now listen, I know there's a lot of really good meaning people and they're not trying to take advantage of you or hurt you or anything like that, but I've just found in my own life, when I got some issues that only Jesus can deal with, and I start to go to other things, there's suffering that comes from that. And she dealt with this. Not only that, but because of what she's dealing with, and we're not going to get into it deeply this morning, but because of the issue of bleeding that she had. I mean, this woman was a social outcast. She did not have the right to do a lot of these things that she wanted to do because ceremonially, in the Old Testament law, she was unclean. So the fact that she's even in the crowd, she's breaking some rules here. Kind of talks about her desperation. And so she's in the crowd. And she's dealing with this and has been for 12 years. So listen to what it says. She had heard about Jesus. So let's continue. Verse 27. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Some translations say, touch the hem of his garment. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of this terrible, of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? So in this moment, this woman full of desperation and quite honestly, full, full of basically like, I don't care what the rules are right now. I got to get to Jesus. 
And I love her thought. I love that she thought, listen, if I can just touch him, if I can just get to him. Now, we're not told in Scripture, but let's be honest. She's not probably somebody that would just happen to be right there by Jesus. She probably had to push. She probably had to get through. She probably had to get to him. And she was like, I'm not going to let anything keep me from getting to him. It's a lot like the desperation that we see from Jairus. It's like nothing is going to stop. I'm not going to let pride. I'm not going to let my position. I'm not going to let anything. I'm not going to let anything keep me from getting to him. Because if I can just get to him, then I can be healed. And there is a faith there. There is an understanding there that is different. Because here's the deal. And this is what you see in the scripture. Jesus specifically says, who touched me and his disciples don't understand what he just meant by that comment and it showed by their response what do you mean who touched you everybody's touching you and jesus is like no 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 <laughs> this touch is different this touch is different and i'm gonna tell you right now the touch of faith is always different because this touch releases power. You see, for some of us, for a long time, we lived lives that basically like, you know, like I just, Jesus, yeah, touch Jesus. I, yeah, I went to church. Yeah, I touched Jesus. I read my Bible once this month. I, I touched Jesus. But this lady had a different type of touch. And what's interesting about it is when that touch came, power came forth and it got Jesus's attention. Jesus says, wait just a minute. And I don't believe that this woman was special in any way, shape, or form other than God. This was her moment. Meaning that your touch of faith can release power in your life too. That God desires to do that. God desires to let that power flow. But you know what? Your touch has got to be a little bit different. There's got to be some faith behind it for that power to really be released in our hearts, in our lives. So let's continue now. Mark 5, 32. It says, but he kept on looking, Jesus here, around to see who had done it. Who touched me, basically. Who's touched? And, and again, people are like, what are you talking about? It says, then the frightened woman, the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came, and guess what? Came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. Why was she so afraid? Did you ever think about that? Why, why was the woman so afraid? Like, why was it, like, a lot of times people get healed, and they don't go, oh, no, oh, no, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I got healed. They, they're excited. I got healed. I got, you know, they, they, they run around. Jesus even tells them, like, hey, don't go tell people that I did this. And they go, I'm going to go tell people that you did this. You know, they do it anyway. This woman goes in front of Jesus, once again, falls at his feet. Jesus had enough two people in a very short amount of time at his feet, on their knees before him, and she's trembling. You know why? Because she broke the rules. Because in the understanding of the Jewish people at this time, she was unclean. And if an unclean person touched a clean person, basically the uncleanliness of that individual transferred to Jesus. And so she's scared to death. Oh no, I've made the rabbi unclean. And now he's going to have to go through these ceremonial washings and all these sort of things. And so she's scared to death that her uncleanliness has been transferred to Jesus. She's, oh no, now I'm in trouble. Because remember, she's an outcast. She's not allowed to do the normal things that a normal woman at the time would be able to do because of this situation. It's been going on for 12 years. So she's trembling. She's afraid. And look at Jesus' response. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. It's interesting that he says that. Why? Because she didn't have peace before. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And I want you to know something. And this is a little off topic, but it's important that you get this. Because I've dealt with it in my own life and others for years. 
It's this idea when we sin that we become filthy. We become unclean. And in a lot of ways, we do. And it's almost like we go, you know, I can't go to Jesus. Because if I go to Jesus, somehow that uncleanliness is going to rub off on him. And that is not how this works. You see, what the people at that time thought was that her uncleanliness would transfer to Jesus. But that's not how it works because of what Jesus has done, because of his death, burial, resurrection, because of all those things. What we see in her life and in our life is not that our uncleanliness transfers to Jesus, but that Jesus' cleanliness and holiness and goodness transfers to us. It was a completely revolutionary idea and thought. And Jesus says, no, listen, you're not going to make me unclean. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you clean. That's so good. That Jesus would do that in your heart and in mine. And he says, listen, you go. You go. So, so this is all happening. I mean, this is an amazing moment. But now let's continue on. Before we go there, I do have a question, though. I think it's an important one that we need to look at. And it's quite simply this. Are you like the people in the crowd that crowded in or the woman who reached out? You see, the crowd was there because they were curious. They wanted to see what was going on. They crowded in because maybe they'd heard a little bit about this guy and some of the stuff that he had done. But this woman had also heard about Jesus and he, she basically is like, you know what? If I could just touch him, if I can just reach out, if I can just grab him, then he can do something incredible in my heart and in my life. You see, there's a lot of people that like to crowd in but not always reach out. This woman did, and God did an amazing work in her life. Now let's go ahead and pick up the story. Mark 5, 35 through 36. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith faith. So again, let's put, some, let's put some meat on these bones. Okay, it's been delayed. Now it's even more delayed. You know, and, and I, I can only imagine him sitting there going like, Jesus, come on, we gotta go, man. Like, why are we worried about who's touching you? Everybody's touching you, my daughter. This is desperate. We gotta get going. We gotta move. And as all these things are taking place, messengers arrive. You say, don't bother him anymore. Don't, don't, don't bother with him anymore. She's dead. She's dead. Can you imagine the emotion that would have welled up in his heart in that moment? Not only does he have to deal with the grief of losing his daughter, but then he does what typically some of us do when things don't work out exactly the way we think they should. We look at Jesus and say basically the same thing that Mary and Martha said to Jesus when Lazarus had died, which is, man, if you had just been here, if you had just done it my way, Jesus, then this wouldn't have happened. And I promise you those thoughts came into his mind in that moment of just going, God, why? But listen to what Jesus says. Now remember, here's something important. Jesus is still with him. He hasn't left him. In fact, he sees this entire thing play out before him, which may make it a little bit better, but also may make it look a little worse. I mean, I'm sure he's like, oh, great. Good. Okay, you, you healed a woman. That's great. That would build his faith up a little bit. Like, hey, if he can handle this, maybe, yeah, I'm sure he can handle my daughter. And so he probably is like, okay, all right, let's go. This is going to be good. This is going to be great. And as this is going on, messengers come and absolutely crush him. Have you ever gotten that report? The doctor or whatever from a family member? And Jesus overhears what's been said. And he says something interesting. He says, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Other translations will say, don't be afraid. Just believe. Now, notice what Jesus didn't say to do. Okay? Because this is just as important as what he did say to do. He didn't say, don't be afraid. Just understand. He didn't say, don't be afraid. Here's what's going to happen. Let me give you the play-by-play. 
He simply said, just have faith. Don't be afraid and just have faith. You see, one thing that we really need to understand, and I think we forget it sometimes, is fear and faith don't go together. Before Jairus could really trust Jesus, he had to decide to put away fear. Do you understand, folks? This is important because we live in a world that encourages fear. Why do you think that some guy in, 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 a, in a big suit someplace has decided, you know, let's make everybody afraid? Well, I, maybe that has happened. But you know where that fear comes from? It comes from the pit of hell. We need to understand that. Fear comes from the pit of hell. And we know in Scripture that perfect love doesn't drive out some fear, it drives out all fear. If we're living in fear, we're not living a life of faith. Now listen, I get afraid too. I'm not saying that, you know what, okay, from now on, you never are afraid again. But when your fear comes, which it does for all of us, that's when we begin to realize, you know what? I need to not sit here and live a life of fear, but instead I need to live a life of faith. It's a lot of times it's one or the other. And in a lot of ways, what Jesus is saying here is, listen, I understand. You just got some bad news. I understand right now it seems like there's no hope. I understand that everybody around you is telling you, don't bother me anymore. But listen, don't be afraid. Have faith. Have faith. Have faith. Let's continue. Mark 5, 37 through verse 40. It says, then Jesus stopped the crowd. Now, interesting here. Why does he stop them now? If Jesus stopped them now, why didn't he stop them earlier? There was purpose in the delay. There was healing that needed to happen in the delay. And there was a miracle that was going to happen. And so now, Jesus stops the crowd. And he wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. And the crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. So Jesus finally shows up. Jesus finally gets on the scene. And they literally, it would happen this, uh, this time uh, in, in, their, in history, a lot of, they would have professional mourners. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but they would. And so he shows up, and people are, are, there, there are people that are really, really upset, and people that are paid to be upset, okay? But there's a lot of people, and there's a lot of commotion. And Jesus walks in, and I mean, like, I would, I, I, I want to see this moment, you know, because, I mean, there's craziness going on. And Jesus walks in, and he goes, hey, listen, um, she, she's asleep. And they laugh at him. They laugh at him. They basically say, you know, like, you're, you're crazy. You're nuts, you know. And then Jesus does something important. He removes all those people out of the way. He says, you know what? You need to go on. You need, you need to move on. He gets them all out of the way. And he does something that's very interesting. He begins to remove the doubt and instead bring forth the people that have the faith. You know, a lot of times in our hearts, in our lives, we surround ourselves with doubting Thomases and we wonder why we're not accomplishing more for Jesus. And sometimes the doubting Thomas is us in our hearts, in our lives. But Jesus puts them out because he sees something different. You see, there are times when we call things dead and Jesus says, no, it's only sleeping. 
I don't know, I'm not a doctor, I don't play one on TV, okay? But I know there's a big difference between being dead and being asleep. But I will tell you this, they look similar. They look similar. But see, Jesus can see a little bit better than you and I can. Jesus can understand a little bit more than I can. You see, Jesus, even before it was written, understood Romans 4, 17, the second part. He says that we believe in a God who brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. There are things maybe in your life and you've gone to Jesus and you say, you know what, that dream, that vision, that desire, that thing that you, pro it's dead. And Jesus is looking at you this morning and saying, no, 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 it's not dead, it's only asleep. But here's the thing. The only person that can bring dead things alive again isn't a self-help book, it's not a pastor, it's not your spouse, it's not your kids, it's not a job, it's not a car, it's nothing but Jesus. He's the only one who has the authority to say, you know what, that ain't dead, it's just asleep and I can wake it up. He can do that. And now look at Mark 5, 41 through 42. Look at how the story ends. He says, holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. 12 years old. Somewhere this morning, there was another thing that had been going on for 12 years. Remember earlier we talked about sometimes the healings come quick and sometimes the healings take some time. In this parallel story, in this story that's woven together, we see this man who comes that his daughter has become sick the way that it's written, the way that it looks, it looks like this wasn't something that just had been happening over time. It's very sudden. It's very urgent. It needs to take place right now. And then yet there's someone else who for 12 years had suffered. I like to think of it this way, even though we're not quite sure you know, on dates or, you know, months and all that jazz. But, you know, it's like, I like to think that, you know, when that little girl was born was when this woman started her issues. And she sat there for 12 years waiting, waiting, trying to find other ways and other situations and cures and all these sort of things. And she had to wait for 12 years. This little girl who was also 12 years old, maybe it came suddenly. And in one instance, it took 12 years for the healing to come. In the other instance, it happened in a very, very short amount of time. But it's interesting here that in God's perfect plan and in God's understanding, he's like, go look, look, it may be 12 years, it may be 12 minutes, but you know what? I can heal. I can heal. I can do the impossible. I can do the things that no one else can do and I can bring those to you and in your life because I'm over it all and I love what Paul writes in Romans that not only does he bring dead things back to life but he creates new things out of nothing like maybe you can make new things out of old things I know some of you can I've seen some of the things you've built and made when you've taken old things and made them new but there's nobody here that's taken nothing and made something new out of it. Only Jesus. And so whether you got old stuff or nothing at all, Jesus can make something new in your heart and in your life. This morning I want to close with just a, a question. Because I think that this really kind of boils it down, especially, you know, after last week. And we talked about sin and and, and Jesus and, and, and what he did and, and how now we have that antidote to sin because of that. 
And so I want to kind of pee back that idea with this this morning because, again, I have found in my own life this is very common and quite honestly common with a lot of other people. We, we, we tend to, when it comes to Jesus, we tend to make some decisions and some choices. And we kind of say, okay, like I'm good with this, but, but, but I'm not necessarily good with that. Or I don't maybe understand that as much. And so we, we kind of understand certain things. But, but it's a real simple question that I think we need to answer. And we need to have a firm answer to this morning. And that is simply this. Do you believe that Jesus is both Savior and Healer? Both of those things. Because again, in my life, I've had times where I'll look at things or other people, and, and I'm just like you. I, I have people that I have been praying for, for physical healing for years. And there are times where it's very easy for me to go, yeah, okay, Jesus, you're, you're, you're my healer spiritually. Yeah, yeah, you're my savior. You're my Lord. But you know, may, maybe healing of the body, well, you know, maybe, maybe later. You see, what's interesting is this woman and Jairus, man, they believed that Jesus was a healer. What's, what's his response? He says, come to my house and heal her. Not, hey, maybe, could you? Do you have that authority? Can you possibly? No, he's like, come, you come and do this. And Jesus said, okay. Well, the woman, if I can just touch his hem of his garment, if I can just get his robe, I'll be healed. They had a faith that said, you know what? I believe God is a God of healing. And I believe he wants to heal my life. I believe that he has the power to heal my life. So this morning, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do something a little bit different. Because I think this is an important Sunday. And I think this is an important thing that we do. And we're going to have a little bit different of an altar time, altar call. Fred, if you want to go ahead and hit the music when you're ready, buddy. Because I don't believe that God would place this series and this message on my heart and then look at you and say, okay, have a good week. I believe that God wants to heal some people. I believe that there, and I know, so don't act like I don't know. I know there are some people here that need some healing. And I believe that God wants to do some healing work. Now listen, God didn't mention to me <laughs> whether there's going to be a healing immediately or in 12 years. I don't know. But I do believe with everything in me that God desires to do some healing. And so here's what we're going to do. In just a minute, I'm going to warn you right now, so just you can prepare. I'm going to invite you to come forward and stand up here. You say, Aaron, can I just do this from my seat? Well, yeah, yeah, you can. Technically. But I'm going to tell you something. There, there's something about what we learned from a story today of a few people that said, you know what? I'm desperate enough. I'll get down in the dirt. And, and, and look, I vacuumed this, this, this week, so this is clean. I mean, I promise you. And I'm not asking you to kneel. I'm just asking you to come. Because I do believe there is a time and a place where our faith is activated by our movement forward. Not all the time, but sometimes I think it's important. I believe this is one of those Sundays that it is. So in just a minute, I'm going to invite you forward. And I'm going to pray over all of us. And here's what I'm going to do. After service is over, if you want individual prayer, if you want to be anointed with oil, that's great. I'm going to be over here. And I'll be here as long as I need to be to pray with every one of you individually if you'd like. But we're going to come forward and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray a prayer of faith that says, you know what, Jesus, you're over all of it. And here's what I'm going to invite you to do. If you have a need in your physical body and you want healing, I'm going to invite you to come. If you need healing in your mind, 
Maybe you're dealing with fear or, or, or depression. Or, that, that's a part of your body. I want you to come. If you need some spiritual healing, I'm going to invite you to come. And just so you know as well, because I know some of you may be doing fine in all those areas. And here's it. You can come for more than one, by the way. But I'm also going to invite if you know of someone who needs any of those things and you want to say, you know what? They're not here this morning. Maybe it's somebody in your family or, or somebody that you know. Maybe it's somebody in our church that's not here this morning and you know they're dealing with some of these issues. And you want to come forward and you say, you know what? I'm going to stand for them. I'm going to stand for my father. I'm going to stand for my, my, my brother. I'm going to stand for my mom. I'm going to stand for my mother-in-law. Whoever it, I'm going to stand for my, my boss or my boss's wife. Whoever it is. And you want to stand kind of in the gap for them. I want to invite you to come forward. But we're going to pray. And we're going to pray a prayer that says, you know what? Jesus, you're supreme over it all. And you're supreme over every disease and every sickness and every affliction and everything we deal with. And whether God chooses to heal in this moment or in 12 years, we're going to walk in a faith that says, you know what? Jesus is with me. Yeah, there may be a delay, but my healing is coming, and it will be here when he says it's time. So this morning, I'm just going to invite you. If that's you, or if that's somebody you know of somebody, will you just come right now? We're just going to gather right up here. Okay? So come on. Come on. Don't be shy. Okay? Come on up. That's good. Awesome. Proud of you. I know that can be a little intimidating. And like I said, listen, if you want prayer individually, I'll do it over here after service. Okay? And we'll be here as long as we need to be. I don't care. Okay? But I truly believe that God wants to heal. I believe that He still heals. And I believe that God is going to do some miraculous things in our hearts and our lives. Not because we've got it all together, not because our faith is all that or that, but because He has a great plan for our hearts and our lives. And so here's what I want you to do, okay? I'm going to pray over you in just a moment. But I want you to pray too. I want you to be thinking of that individual or praying for that individual. I want you to be praying for those things in your heart and your life that need physical, mental, spiritual healing, whatever it is, okay? And then we're going to close but I truly believe that God wants to do some healing works in our hearts and our lives. And I believe that if we'll reach out and just touch Him, He's going to do some great things. So pray with me, would you? Father, we come to You right now. And God, I don't know and don't need to know every situation here. And God, I do know there are people here that need physical healing, mental healing, spiritual healing. There are people here that are standing up for someone else that does. And Father, what's great is I don't need to know because God, you already know. You already know that this day was coming. You already know that this moment was going to happen. And Father, I believe that in the beginning of time, God, you knew that this day would be the day that some healing was going to take place in their hearts and in their lives. And so God, right now, in the name of Jesus that is above every name, that has all authority on heaven and on earth, God, that we pray in the name of that person, that Jesus, 
that healing would be unleashed in our hearts and our lives right now. God, I pray for healing in minds, God, in the name of Jesus. That God, that our minds would be fixed upon You. That worry and doubt and fear, God, would be removed in the name of Jesus. God, I pray against any bodily situation that's going on. God, I pray against cancer. I pray against anything that in our bodies that's not working the way You desire for it to work. And God, I pray for those that need spiritual healing. Maybe they're dealing with bitterness or anger or frustration or unforgiveness. God, whatever it is, God, we know, Jesus, that by your wounds, by your stripes, we are healed. Not we may be healed. Not maybe we'll see if we're healed. Not if we just make sure we did everything right. and did. We will be healed. And so we proclaim our healing right now. We say, I am healed. I have been healed. I am being healed because of the power of Jesus who is over it all. Over it all. There is nothing that you can't handle, Jesus. All diseases. And Father, for those of us that may be standing for ourselves and others, God, wherever they are, God, I know right now there are individuals on the other side of this planet who need your healing touch. And God, I don't care if they're asleep. I don't care if they're awake right now. God, through your Holy Spirit and the power of your name, we proclaim healing across an ocean. We proclaim healing to lives of people online that may be watching this today or five years from now. God, your power is not contained to time and space. Your power is over all. And your healing is over all. And so God, we proclaim that healing over individuals that are not even here. Powerful healing. Healing, Father, that the doctors pull back their hands and say, I can't explain it. Jesus, we're asking for supernatural, Jesus-only ability to heal healings. God, we're asking for healings through doctors and nurses. We're not asking to dictate how you heal. We are just going to stand on your promise that we are healed. And trust in that and trust in you. Father, we thank you. Thank you, God, that you are a God that heals. Thank you that you are a Jesus who says, come to me, all who are heavy, weighed down and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. He didn't look at the woman and say, you've made me unclean. No. Jesus, your holiness and your power and your cleanse, cleansing flood, it cleanses us. And so Jesus, no matter what, we trust you in this moment. We have faith in this moment. And Jesus, we know and believe, and we thank you in advance for the healing that you have already done. I'm not even done praying, and you've already done healings. And the healings you will do. We will celebrate them all, because all of them are because of your goodness and your glory, and your, you get the honor. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this morning and for this opportunity to bring these healing needs to you and allow you to do so. You're so good. And we thank you so much. Now here's what we're going to do, folks, okay? If you just want to kind of remain kind of this attitude of prayer, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to dismiss the service. And I'm going to go ahead and kind of head over to the left over here. My left, your right. And if you want individual prayer specifically, you want to be anointed with oil. And listen, the oil is not special. It's just a symbol of the Holy Spirit, okay? But if you want me to do that with you, I will do that, okay? But here's what I'm going to ask. Because of that, and I know this is a little different because I know we like to hang out and talk, and that's awesome. 
but I'd ask that you kind of let the sanctuary kind of remain a kind of quieter spot, okay? You can obviously talk out in the foyer, and I invite you to do so. And, and here's the deal. Maybe if, if no one needs prayer, you, you kind of just, you know, if, if I'm not down front, <laughs> you know, then you can obviously come back in and talk and, and things like that. But we're just going to kind of try to keep the sanctuary a little more quiet and, and allow people that need some extra prayer to get it, okay? And then again, when I'm done, Please come back in, talk as long as you want, hang out and all that good stuff. But for this amount of time, for this time, I ask that you just kind of hold quiet. And, and here's the deal. If, if you want to just stay, you want to be in your seat or, or you want to come up with someone and just agree with them, with us, please do so, okay? But we're just going to be here for a little while longer and allow that to happen. So for those that are online, we love you. We're praying for you. You know, I know that you couldn't, quote unquote, come here physically down, but here, here's the deal. If you came wherever you were at, you came down and you began to ask Jesus, he can heal you too. You don't have to be here to receive the power of the healing that Jesus has. You can be anywhere because he's that big and strong and awesome. And for the rest of us, we're just going to allow the spirit to kind of continue to move and pray. So I love you. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for this opportunity to pray over you and believe with you because I know God's going to do great things.